Let's take a look at UCLA's men's basketball roster because where are the minutes going to get divvied up? And Dante Moore really has to address rumors already. He hasn't even taken a snap yet. Let's talk about all that more on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On UCLA podcast. I'm your host, Zach anderson Yoxheimer. It's been a year since we've relaunched this podcast, or so we're getting to dive into football season number dose as we uh, bring in some more football news. Thanks for making this your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast. You know, we drop it early in the morning audio-wise. We're going to start dropping YouTube videos. Hit that subscribe button at around 11.45 a.m. Pacific, Monday through Friday, making it The Daily Show. In the meantime, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn because every new potential hire is a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's what it feels like. And if you want to find the right people for your team, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. All right, where we're going to start today is we got a full scope, a full look of where UCLA hoops is i mean there's going to be a lot more changes in the future with the move to the big 10 but we'll start with what does this team bring to the table in 23 to 24 they have the spain trip coming up and for all intents and purposes i've looked and read different places different sources you can go to bro report you can go to la times you can dive in wherever you want there's just no real it doesn't look like it's happening where Bullington Shell. Mara and obviously Bonham will not be making the Spain trip. They will not enroll early enough to go in the second summer session quarter at UCLA to where they might make that trip. Bona still recovering from the offseason shoulder surgery. Say that 10 times fast. But in the meantime, you've got all these roster spots that are filled, but who's going to get the minutes? We've talked about this. If you're an everydayer of the Locked On UCLA podcast, even grinding through the summer with us, I kind of already did this, but this was without Mara and Bullington Schill being officially signed with the Bruins. Now we've got some options. Now we've got some ideas. And where are the Bruins going to go? The the dream scenario, I've seen this on social media. I've even thrown it around. You can have the big men down low, Mara and Bona together, tag teaming as a dynamic post duo, which could go against some of the biggest and best post teams in the country. Remember, you got Purdue, who's still got Edie, if you ever play them down the line. Arizona really pounded the glass on UCLA last year when they had their twin towers. The Bruins can have something of a similar skill set, although Bona and Mara bring different abilities to the table, which makes them a combo that could easily, I think, fit on the floor together, both as a strong rebounding combo, a strong defensive defensive combo, and then they bring a variety of skill sets offensively, both lob threats, so you can have double back cuts. You can do uh, more passing options. You can have Mara step out and pass, bone it back in there and rebound offensively as he can hustle back on defense the full length of the court. Many different off- ways to go in the post. Maybe Mara and, dare I say, Bona, because he was in foul trouble quite a bit in his freshman year. Maybe Mara doesn't have the the stamina to be on the court this long, and they can only play in short shifts together. What does that mean? Who would play at the four? Well, you've got Nuba, you've got Devin Williams, probably even Brandon Williams at some point, who can all shift in at the five to the four. Maybe not so much Brandon Williams, but Devin Williams will probably get some time at some point relieving these guys. Nuba might be the first off the bench, being the the veteran, someone who knows Mick Cronin's 
schemes and how he wants defense to be played. And he played the bulk of that game when the Bruins played Gonzaga in the Sweet 16 in the tournament. So he will probably get the first crack initially to start the season as the first guy off the bench to play in the post. That doesn't mean that the Bruins can't go small. If Bone is in foul trouble, if Marr is not cutting it, the Bruins can go with Burke, Abelington, Chill as the five, small ball five. If they want to go with a small lineup, maybe as the four. Lazar Stefanovic, he can easily play the a small four. He can easily stretch to the three, maybe the two. The Bruins can even go with Jan Vide as the one, Dylan Andrews as the one. There's so many different combinations you can flip. The post has a select set of guys. You've got your small ball options at the five, at the four between Bullington Chill, and then you've got the likes of Stefanovic. Those guys can all bounce from the three to the four. You've got Ilan Fible and Jan Vide, who will probably be battling for minutes between the one through three spots is the shooting guard, maybe small forward. Vide may be more of a competition for Andrews as the starting point guard. I think Andrews has a leg up simply just by being there for a year and playing under Mick Cronin. And depending on how things play out, V-Day will either be the backup one, starting to how those minutes flip out. And then you still got McClendon, who's battling for minutes. And it's going to be an interesting time for UCLA to figure out how this lineup will look. Can't forget Sebastian Mack. How is he going to factor in this? Is he a guy that has to sit around for a year? Will he actually beat out some of these international recruits? There's just so many ways the rotation can flip which is why the 10-day trip to Spain, Mick Cronin's already alluded to it in various interviews or an interview, where he gets extra practice time. They've already had the, what, the 10-hour weeks, right? You get a couple hours per day throughout the summer. So some of these guys have seen the, the pictures, the videos on social media, the guys going after it, getting after it in their limited practice time in the summer. But the Spain trip is almost perfectly slotted in the time where UCLA gets that extra practice time, some extra team bonding, and a chance to see who can cut it. And then Mick Cronin can be like, I'm not sure you're ready yet. This is where Mara can come in and fit. This is where Bullington Chill can come in and fit. And this is where Bona can give the Bruins a much needed fortified presence down low in the paint. And there's different ways to go. I think as you can go with many different options. I've already given starting fives. You can go back and watch those episodes, I believe, in July when I give a full more in-depth analysis. But this will be fun. National championship expectations will be coming from various sources. Worries will be coming from various sides. I think we don't want to say national championship or bust at this stage in the game, say early August. But we will find out how the team develops over the year. And it can certainly be one of the most exciting years in UCLA basketball history because it's the last year of the Pac-12, which means the Bruins could very well be the last champion from the Conference of Champions if they go and try and win something. The West Coast hasn't had a winner in a long time. We're going to dive into that deeper later in the show as to how the Big Ten and the Big Ten and Big 12 moves in conference realignment might affect recruiting for UCLA after it looked like everything was going good. For now, the Bruins, they've got some spots they need that need to be earned. I think the older guys will have some opportunities to start and get early minutes off the bench initially, which leaves, I think, the the two and three spots, the maybe maybe the shooting guard spot as the most hotly contested spot for a starter from any of the new freshmen that they can easily go. And mind you, there's three projected first-rounders, depending on sites. There's maybe five guys that could leave after a year and get drafted in the NBA, not to mention if Andrews develops and he bolts. This could be an easily another year where the Bruins turn over more talent than they did the year before 
after the season's over, which is why I talked about a few weeks ago, hey, this could easily be a number one recruiting class in the class of 23. We just don't know it yet because nobody knows how to rate all the new international guys because those stars and ratings are tough to find more intelligence about what their ranking is compared to the domestic recruits. We'll talk about all that more coming up later on Locked on UCLA. But Dante Moore had to shut down some rumors. He hasn't even taken an official snap for UCLA, hasn't even won a starting position, hasn't even been listed at the one, two, dare I say, the three in the depth chart because Chip Kelly's waiting for these guys to battle it out in fall camp. But he's already had to address transfer rumors. What? What are we talking about? What game are we playing? I'll tell you more. all that and more coming up next on the Locked On UCLA podcast. Every job during hiring times feels like a high-stakes wager when you're, you know, a small business. Every potential new hire. Every single one. Which is why you want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. You've got to check out LinkedIn Jobs because they help you find the right team, right people for your team faster and for free. They've got screening questions, screening tools that can help you get the right people you want to interview and then eventually hire, which is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. All you have to do is post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back. Locked on UCLA. Zach Anderson. Yoxheimer with you guys. As the Bruins, you know, it's in an interesting time. Transition to the Big Ten. More teams coming to the Big Ten. But you've got the big recruit on campus, the five-star fab freshman in Dante Moore with already a big, highly, you know, we're all excited. We're all excited for this year with all the transfers, the the replacements of the veterans who've been there for a long time under Chip Kelly, even through COVID, like the DTRs, even Charbonnet a couple years, Bobo for the one year. And now you sit here looking with who's going to start at quarterback. And while there's various interviews all throughout the weekend in the first weekend of August where they're talking to Garber, Schley, Martin, Dante Moore, somehow floating out of the woodwork, you had the likes of Dante Moore transfer rumors jumping out of nowhere. I saw them and I wondered, hmm, this doesn't really seem to be something that really is Truly accurate here, considering he was asked after a practice during an interview, one of his first, if not his first, officially with all the media after fall camp, where he mentioned he's not even active. He was asked by a a various reporter about how come he's not active on social media. And what is the one thing he had to do in social media after a late, say, August 6th, the Sunday night over the weekend where he had to address the transfer rumors are not true. He shut them down. That's not an accurate quote verbatim, but he basically said, I'm not transferring. Those rumors are false. I'm not looking to transfer. He's not displeased with the NIL situation that some may have made it seem like, but just where the sources I read, I was like, this is weird. This kind of came out of nowhere. And I know, especially with youngsters, you've even seen it in college basketball, people reclassify transfer before the season even started, like in the Marcus Adams Jr. case from KU going to Gonzaga. Dante Moore, who decommitted after a long commitment process, sticking with Oregon, decommitted and flipped to UCLA very late in the game in the early signing day process. 
So one might wonder, with kids being so young and transferring and changing their minds so often, money situations playing a big part in the role of what's going to happen, would Dante Moore change his mind? And it's one thing to look at a change-slash-flip commitment. I know Bo Nix staying probably might have had a, a, a key part in Dante Moore going to UCLA, the NIL opportunity, Westwood, the Bruins going to the Big Ten, all making a big pitch, them pushing all their recruiting efforts into more in that December and late 2022. But, you know, it's kind of interesting for someone who hasn't even won or lost the starting quarterback job to address the rumors. And that's the difference, right? When you're in the LA market, when you're in Westwood, I know people might talk about the the other, the other team on the other side of town, but you're going to have to address questions, even rumors, maybe across everywhere, but the fact that, hey, he's going to transfer, NIL is not as good, UCLA, yeah, 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 yeah. You can even go to ESPN and read an article about teams who are theoretically over the last few decades of college basketball, of college football, have been disappointing. They listed UCLA as one of those teams, those big brand teams, those big city teams who've been slightly disappointing, who are the underachievers, underachievers of college football. ESPN named UCLA as one of those, and while we can't necessarily deny that, what does that mean when you've got a big-name quarterback who everybody would want to get their hands on and bring him to their university and maybe say, you're going to start day one? Chip Kelly has done the complete opposite of that, saying whoever earns it will earn it, and that's how you keep the locker room focused and engaged and ready to play every week as opposed to just naming someone because he's got the hype to his name as the starting QB. It is interesting that more who said there's better things to do with my time than be on social media, being active, that after that, he had to go onto social media and log in and say the rumors are false after that question. It just seems like the timing of that was all strange, right? I don't go onto social media as much. I'm trying to do more focus on classes, grow, prep, right? All those answers that he gave, something that's a paraphrase there, only for him to have to go on it and talk about, hey, I'm not transferring. It seems a little early in the game, and it's funny how the rumors swirl so, so early, even though nobody's and nothing's really been decided. All the quarterbacks are all positive, even what Justin Martin's saying, he can hurdle better than DTR Schley, excited, saying, I'm not going to go touch Crocky J because he might have uh, taken a little bit of Carson Steele's thumb one time. All that and more, all the funny quotes coming out of the, the post-practice interviews, pre-practice interviews, the little tidbits that they've been giving the media, even though we haven't been able to see Overall, too much of UCLA's full contact, full pad practices, because those have been limited so far, at least to the recording of this podcast. Is Dante Moore ready to win this job? I'm not sure, but I like the poise and the maturity that he's shown so far. And it's just funny how rumors can just swirl out of nowhere. You know, you can fault us, especially being podcasts, but I didn't throw it out there. Just nice to note that he's committed and loyal to UCLA for now. We'll see how that changes, whether he wins or loses the job and how that affects everything. But speaking of affecting everything, where is the Big Ten move going to help UCLA with recruiting, if not hurt them in recruiting, considering Oregon and Washington are joining the Bruins with SC to the Big Ten? They didn't want that initially, so we're going to talk about that more in the last segment of the Locked On UCLA podcast. Final segment of the Locked On UCLA podcast, Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer with you guys, is the, the Bruins, we're in an interesting state of college athletics, right? You've got all the movement, all the conference realignment. It seemed like the Pac-12 might hold on. They hung by a thread only to just basically disintegrate before our very eyes, leaving just four teams 
in 2024 for the Pac-12 conference, which has got to find out how to immediately answer those questions. Will they be a viable conference next season? Where is that all going to take us? Is that going to free up an extra bit in the NCAA tournament in a year, two years from now, right? In the college basketball tournament, tournaments, all those AQs. I don't know where that lies for the pack for the Pac-12. That's for someone smarter, hopefully, and who has got more time to figure all those questions out. For UCLA, how is their recruiting? How is their scheduling? How is this all going to be impacted with Oregon and Washington riding their coattails and just simply sneaking in under the wire to join the Bruins and Trojans in Big Ten country? I've already addressed it a little bit with how UCLA and SC will get a bit of a breather now that they have a couple more quote-unquote local rivals with Washington and Oregon being on the West Coast as opposed to having to fly across the country. Still not the easiest trips getting to Eugene or flying two and a half, two-ish hours to Seattle North, but it's much easier than going to Lincoln or Champaign, all those other Big Ten schools, let alone Maryland, and going to Rutgers across the country. But how does that affect recruiting? The Bruins and Trojans have reportedly not been as happy or wanting those two schools to come in because they wanted that footprint. They wanted that West coast dominance to get all the West coast recruits as they were able to also now jump into the Midwest. Big 10 teams want to be able to also jump to the West coast, bring those kids to the Midwest. The Bruins with Derek McFall recently recruit, recently committing the four-star athlete out of Texas. The Bruins are slowly putting their footprint in various different locales across the country And you wonder if their stranglehold on the new recruiting territory that they can now enter into or can now join, bringing the Big Ten recruits over West, how much is that going to be affected by Oregon throwing their Nike money in there, right? How much is Washington going to jump in and say, hey, come to Seattle. This is beautiful. we got a little bit of some cold weather, quote unquote, a little bit. And how is that going to affect the Bruins? Chip Kelly, as the head coach of the Bruins, is probably still going to hit the portal as much as he can, as hard as he can, as much as humanly possible, moving forward down the line. So it's not maybe going to affect how much their recruiting is high school-wise. Although I think Chip Kelly, by getting Dante Moore, flipping a couple of guys, it might be able to go and still get some more high school recruits than he's gotten in the past. It still might not affect UCLA football recruiting. Men's basketball, they've already got their first 24 commit. Eric Freeney, he's a local product, three-star guard. He might become a four-star. I'm not really sure. I haven't checked that recently, but he's a three-star. And they've still got all the international recruiting. They've committed by now hiring a new director of international recruiting that they've got different guys, different players who who they can go tap into going across the globe to recruit. So I'm not entirely sure that those two programs will be affected. Now, how is this going to affect the women's basketball, the softballs, women's soccer, baseball too, right? You lose the exposure playing West Coast Bowl and you got to go play in the Big Ten, play some uh, little couple cold weather series potentially, depending on who you're playing, when and where, at what time in the season in 2024, right? Or 2025 when they have their first uh, Big Ten baseball season. So based on where the two coaches, Cronin and Kelly, are thinking, I'm not sure how much recruiting will be swayed so much by Washington and Oregon, right? Based on their strategies so far for UCLA trying to go after everything in between. But for UCLA and their different other, you know, between UCLA 
and all their other sports, that's where they might lose out necessarily. I'm not entirely sure how that's all going to play out in the other sports. They've got some dominant programs in softball, women's soccer. John Savage is trying to hold on to recruits, you know, after the MLB draft, although it was a decent year holding on to some guys, trying not to lose them in NIL to various schools across the country, right? How many times have you seen players just been plucked from the Bruins program and thrust in the SEC NIL trust funds, quote unquote, just to go make big money, big bucks, make big moves and go win championships over there. That's where the Bruins are losing out on the other side of the athletic part. So just because the Big Ten is going to bring out new opportunities and the Bruins are tapping into it, I don't think Oregon and Washington will at least ruin it for the football men's basketball teams moving forward. Those are all what we got to think about and talk about going and growing in years to come. So that's going to wrap it up for Locked On UCLA today. I'm Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer for Never Dare. You're going to want to stick out and stay tuned for more UCLA football fall camp coverage, more UCLA hoops talk, and everything in between because we've got it all excited and all locked and loaded for Locked On UCLA. Hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U-C-L-A. UCLA. Fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.